Hello and Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of My Feet Could Talk. Um, we're in episode two of season three, and guess what? We're back into another lockdown. So I started all this during the first lockdown, and here we are, three lockdowns later, and I'm still going. Um, thank you, for everyone, for your support. It's been a fantastic, and I'm glad people are enjoying this podcast and people are recommending it for people to listen to. Um, it's crazy. But what does it mean for me this long time? Nothing has changed in regards to work or family life. We're still exactly the same as we were in the first lockdown. We're still both working. We're still doing stuff. Uh, obviously, my boy's not in school. And I'll they close the school again, but we're still homeschooling at the same time, both of us working. Uh, so that's quite mad. But for running, it means I've lost another race. So I've lost the arc of attrition. Uh, I got cancelled just before Christmas. Um, and before they announced the, the lockdown, mainly because pretty much everyone's tears had been moving up and everything else. And that was the race I've been focusing most on during uh, last year through all my training. Um, so I was a little bit gutted about it. So I was already in a, a week of easy runs, uh, recovery uh, from all the training I'll be doing uh, before I went again for the last few weeks. Um, so I decided, fuck it, I'll take another week. Uh, of easy runs um, and it allowed me to focus and reset myself um, over the Christmas period and into the new year um, which was quite nice um, and now I'm back training ready for focusing towards my next race uh, currently in May fingers crossed the Southwest Traverse um, so that's the next race currently in May um, I'm still run streaking I'm on day, as I record this, I'm on day 601. So yesterday I recorded, um, I recorded, I celebrated at 600 days. Um, so a mini milestone uh, in my run streak. I'm obviously 400 days from the thousand milestone. Uh, my two year mark is in May. So next one really to celebrate properly will be two years in May. So that's going to be cool. But anyway, that's enough from me. Um, you're probably bored of, of that side of things you want to get onto the guests um, so let's move on to my next guest now this woman is phenomenal um, and I'm so pleased she said yes to coming on my show and I've known her for um, a few years now via social media um, and we spoke to her colleague of Brutal Events um, James Page in the in the first, uh, in the, sorry, in the, in the second season, um, and it's this woman that sort of inspired him really through her events to do what he did. Um, she, she's the creator of Brutal Events, um, and if you think James's Decker Iron Man <laughs> achievements was bonkers, wait until you uh, listen to this. I give you the one and only. Claire Smith. Okay, and we are recording. Hello and welcome, Claire, to the podcast. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, not bad at all, thank you. How how have you been over the last year with all the lockdowns and flippy flopping around? Yeah. I mean, I personally don't mind the whole isolation thing. I've got to be honest, it doesn't bother me too much I know a lot of people have struggled with their mental health with it it's not a thing that you know 
I do a lot of long stuff on my own anyway. So, and I'm very self-motivated. I've been self-employed for a very long time. So again, it's not, you know, it's something I, I've struggled with too much. So yeah. Uh, and the family, how have they coped? Because you, you've got children of your own, obviously. Well, they're kind of adults now, actually. Yeah. So initially when we were quite, you know, we, we were locked down, um, it was, uh, Jake was 18, he was at home still. And Jess, uh, she was 23 then. She was working from home um, and we just, Got on really well it was actually quite a nice time i feel a bit bad for saying it but it was a nice a nice few months um yeah so jake's now left home um and jess is still working very much from home so you know yeah it's it's not been a bad time to be honest excellent that's the main thing um so for everyone who doesn't know you claire um and i'm surprised if they don't to be honest mm-hmm. um where ha- where have they been uh, yeah. that's what you have to have to wonder but we do <laughs> I, we, I do get people that are are new to our world um that may not have come across you uh, mm. listening to this or watching this as it'd be on youtube as well um so can you explain who you are and, and what you do um so i'm mostly known for brutal events um i set up brutal events about god like 10 years ago now which is crazy um and that i just i wanted to start a sort of um well, I basically, I did an, a, a double Ironman and I wanted to start a company that offered a, a tougher double Ironman. Um, and uh, so I started it in um, Snowdon uh, and the event company sort of grew from there. Um, and I started adding more and more events around the UK, different types of events as well. So I'm kind of known for that. The guy who is a friend of mine now who won the first double Ironman, uh, Matthew Dales, he called me Brutal Claire. For some reason, it sort of stuck, and people just started calling me Brutal Claire from that point onwards. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there's there, there is truth in that name, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, since I've gotten to know you through social media over the years, um, but where did you grow up? Where are you from? Where where has Brutal Claire come from? So, um, I was born in Bournemouth. Um, for a, a while, when I was young, I lived in Hereford, and I loved Hereford. Um, and then my parents split up and I got dragged back to Bournemouth. I love Bournemouth too, but admittedly, I like being closer to Wales. Um, yeah, so Bournemouth basically is where I've spent most of my life. And I do, I love being near the sea um, and the forest and stuff. So, it's, yeah, it's good. And were you a, a sporty child growing up? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I hated sports, literally. I used to lie to my PE teacher to say that my asthma was really bad, so that I couldn't take part in sports. I used to use that as an excuse all the time. You know, it took me a long time to even get into the... Do you know, I think if if we listen back to every female guest I've had on here, I mm. think pretty much I most of them, I'd say, I'd like to say 100%, but it might be maybe 95% of them mm. weren't sporty as a child. Really? How fascinating. And obviously when they become adults in their later life, they've then ventured into... Yeah. Um, the world of ultra running and extreme events and stuff like that so you know it's it, i think I, it's a theme running along here yeah. i think isn't it? <laughs> within the female side of things um which is great in my personal opinion um yeah. so did you weren't a sporty child but was was there any influences from from your family members you know that you you look back on now and go actually maybe i do follow my my dad or my mum or so the only thing I can get from my childhood, um, I rode for a while, um, Christchurch Rowing Club, which I really enjoyed. 
um, that was about the age of 13. And I think that was because my stepmom used to row. Um, there's a thing in Hereford um, where they do like raft racing. Yeah. It's quite, it's an endurance sport. It's like there's 60 miles and 100 miles. And the rafts are made out of like, um, you know, like the chip fat kind of barrels. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds a bit dodgy, but actually it was, a, it was a massive thing at the time. I'm not sure if it's still going, but she was a part of that. And she used to race the men's race because you're allowed one woman on each team. And, uh, and I remember just being in awe of her and thinking, wow. And I think looking back, she was probably the main influence. I kind of wanted to impress her and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I think that's so, what Yeah. So she, if she's, if someone in your family is doing something, I suppose, maybe a bit extreme to the norm, it may have rubbed off on you because yeah. that, that as, as people will find out, that's obviously in your personality. Yeah. Um, moving on. Um so yeah, you could probably put it down to something like that, and yeah. subconsciously. Um, yeah, you. I watched them over sort of three days, just pushing themselves, rowing continually, um, and I just remember being just like, "Wow!" It certainly lit a fire in me. I think. Yeah, that's not. That doesn't sound like the you know the Cambridge and Oxford boat race down the <laughs> down the table. I mean, those <laughs> those, guys, those guys are something else anyway. But absolutely, this is a the other, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's completely other end of the spectrum, yeah. isn't it? Sure. <laughs> so when did you start then finding you know the love for uh running as an example so I just had my first child I was a single mum I was about 20 um I was in a bit of a grim situation flat you know not struggling to make ends meet and things like that and I remember just um my family friend was running so I was kind of aware of the London Marathon and things like that and they were him and his wife were quite good runners but I remember just sort of thinking well, maybe I could try um and I used to go out with my daughter Jess in the pushchair early so nobody would see me and literally just run and it wasn't like a baby job or anything like that it was just a pushchair and she she was a really good baby um and just would sleep um and I would just be like yeah running around like when only the postman was sort of wandering about. So that's where I started. Um, and I went on from there and did a half marathon, the New Forest Half Marathon. Yeah. Um, but then I dropped it for quite a few years and just didn't do anything. I was fairly unhealthy, lots of bad habits and, and bad stuff going on. So it, was, it wasn't until later, until I was about 30 something, early 30s, that I then started doing marathons and things like that. See, again, that's, uh, that appears to be a common theme across pretty much everyone I speak to um we all sort of started in our 30s and and 40s hitting mm. the marathons and then the ultras and everything yeah. else yeah. um maybe we could put it down to midlife crisis or that's when we realized we need to change our lives yeah i don't know but it's, it's quite a common theme in our in our world mm. um of our generation sort of starting at that point really i think yeah um and you mentioned you, you you sort of touched on that you were in sort of sort of bad places. And I was reading your website, um, and it mentions you struggled with addiction and depression and self esteem. Um, what was uh, your addiction? What was that like for you? And how did you recover and cope? Uh, what was your mechanisms? Yeah, so I used to have a real problem with alcohol, and I had from a very early age early teens and stuff um, and it was just there was some stuff that happened uh, in my teenage years that I found difficult to deal with and I think I found alcohol was just an escape um, my self-esteem got very low around that point as well and I just found that when I drank I used to kind of feel like I liked myself and you know 13s uh, 
bit of a dodgy age, you know, you're very sort of open to things and, and susceptible to ideas. And I think it just became, you know, alcohol was became my crutch, if you like. And, yeah. it, and it stayed with me for a long time. Um, and I knew I had a problem when I was about 18. I was very aware of it. And I was probably from the age of 18, 19, I was trying and failing continually to give up. Um, knowing that it was the very worst thing I could do for myself. But in, yeah, I just kept doing it and I really struggled. And even though there were periods where I didn't drink, obviously throughout my pregnancies and things like that, I still struggled. And I'd always end up back in the same situation, which was very frustrating. So um, how did you manage to recover from it? And or yeah. have, have you recovered? I, I'm, I'm, I have. I'm <laughs> I'm yeah. assuming that you've recovered. You might still yeah. be struggling. But, um. Yeah, I mean, I'm seven, about seven years, seven, wait, years sober, clean, no problems yeah. at all. Um, it, it did, you know, there's the old cliche of rock bottom. I did hit it pretty badly. Yeah, yeah. It got very bad and very serious for a while. I, I hit it extremely well. I am the ultimate kind of high-functioning adult. I was running the business. I was doing double Ironman. I was bringing up two kids of my own. Um, but it got to a point where I could no longer hide it. Thing, you know the cracks were starting to show and I was you know I did get to the point where I had a moment where I was like I'm going to die <laughs> or so end how, up how old are you by this point when you had this um, well, I'm 40, so probably 38 so you, it was quite a long time then yeah if oh, you yeah, started in your teens I was incredibly determined to keep the habit going <laughs> well in some ways I don't blame you especially with the way worlds are turning but yeah you know it it must have been so difficult, especially when you got your children growing up now as well at that point. Um, that and must have been running quite... a, a sports business and being known yeah. for doing it was it was like living a double life. And yeah. It was very sad. And it was I, you know, it was really hard. I didn't want to, I didn't like the person that I was so which person was really brutal Claire and which person was just Claire? That's a weird question. <laughs> well, because you well, were hiding your persona. You are, you know, you were doing yeah. all these. I think stuff. I, I mean, the real person is brutal, Claire, because I'm here now and yeah. I'm still as brutal as I was before. Um, I don't think, you know, I've, I'm just happier with myself now. Um, I've learned coping mechanisms yeah. that um, I just didn't have. And, you know, I, I was saying to someone yesterday, actually, how when I first gave up, I had to feel everything. And I remember just being horrified that I was going, you know, have business problems or, you know, other relationship problems. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I have to feel all this. <laughs> what? It seemed to be like, you know, why, I, it was just easier to numb it with wine or whatever I was drinking. Yeah. Too. But I had to learn how to sort of feel things and cope with things without reaching yeah. for anything else. And that was that took me about two years to get to that point. <laughs> And it, obviously going back to when you started, there wasn't the support then that there is now for those like yourself dealing with addictions and mental health issues. I mean, we've come a long way, haven't we, really? Yeah, I mean, it was very stigmatised. It took me a long time to talk about it. I mean, still talking like this now, I still feel a bit like, oh, what will people think of me? But I'm now like of an age where I'm like, meh you know, whatever, you know, this is me. I went through these times, you know, yes, there are certain things that happened in my life that I am not proud of, but, you know, I was struggling and I, I was just doing the very best I could. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you talking about it. I mean, I've talked about um, some of the stuff that I went through in my life and 
and other guests have also talked about their stuff that drives them and what what made them then now mm-hmm. um and I, I think the more people like you and me we talk about it on things like this then someone may be listening it may help them yeah to seek help I yeah or... I think even though I'm uncomfortable speaking about it I think yeah. I would have you know there was a certain fitness um person I used to follow years back I mean this is a long long time ago and I remember Mr. Motivator. No, it was someone called Susan Powter. She had like a buzz cut. She was like American and she was, it was, this is years back. You have to Google her. She was pretty cool. But she came out years and years later as, as a functioning alcoholic. And I remember being stunned by that and kind of going, shit, that's me. You know, she was known. She had books out and everything. She was like way back and, and it was, it sort of stunned me. But then I remember thinking, she's doing what I'm doing she is me and, and if she can get sober then so can I you know so it definitely I think it does help talking about it even if it's not always now, and I, I will have to I've, I've got to thank you for that because I know it can be difficult for people you know I know it's difficult for me when I talk about stuff um and it does get a little bit easier each time you talk about yes, it. it does yeah um but it's still you know difficult and being someone who's interviewing someone you you, you know you're thankful that they come on the show and you just don't want to press the wrong button yeah <laughs> you know i'm pretty especially if you especially if you don't know them personally as well as you may know someone else that you know you're right to talk about certain yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's, it's always difficult I, I appreciate that and and it's, and it's and it's brilliant that you are able to talk and hopefully fingers crossed we may have just saved someone's life you never know yeah. um but we'll move on because that obviously is in the past and we're we're, our feet are constantly moving forwards. We never go backwards. Not even when you're walking backwards, you're still moving Good forwards. <laughs> so we're, we're never moving backwards. We never go back to the past. Uh, everything's new. So we move on and you moved into multi, multi events. Um, and what, what I'm talking about is obviously triathlons. Mm-hmm. Um, when was your first triathlon and how did it feel stepping into a world not just of running with your buggy with your child or mm. running with a group of friends or going for a cycle you're now stepping into a multi-event so it's a little bit different really so I've told the story a hundred times but I don't know if you know it but I was at a running club New Forest Runners and I overheard a guy very fit guy saying oh I'm training for an Ironman and it's it's killing me and I remember thinking whatever that is I want to do it and I knew it about triathlon, but hell, I wasn't going near it because I couldn't ride a bike and I couldn't swim. So no, thank you. I then found out that Ironman was in fact a triathlon and not just a triathlon, but a really long triathlon. And yeah. at that point I was, yeah, I kind of committed because I'm the sort of person that once I say I'm going to do something, that's it. So at that point I was training for an Ironman. Um, and the first one I did was the Wimbledon half in Exmoor which was ridiculously hard for a first triathlon. It's incredibly hilly down that way. And, and it, it was a, a real shock. I mean, it took me three months to properly sort of get to swimming. I mean, I could swim like breaststroke, but I had to like properly get some, a couple of lessons. And then basically I used a pool boy and I spent three months just going up and down in my local pool. And it, you know, once I got to sort of three months in, I was able to swim like 30 lengths. And then from then on, I built on. So that was good. Um, I then did a familiarization camp at Sherbourne, which is where the original Ironman used to be. Um, and then realized that I actually was quite scared of swimming outside. 
um, open water swimming, it, it was really challenging. And so that kind of opened up a whole thing, which I wasn't aware of having panic attacks in the water and struggling with the cold and such like that, which is something that's followed me and never leaves me, but that's, that's who I am. But that was a bit of a shock. Um, cycling, I had to borrow a bike from my then father-in-law, which was like, had gears on, on the, the, the crossbar, which yeah. was, yeah. oh my God, it normally killed me about five times. Um, so it was a real steep learning curve. There was nothing. I mean, running was the only thing I used to get to the run section and think, oh my God, Thank God, <laughs> I could do this bit. That was something you already knew about. Something I could do this bit. Yeah, I could do yeah. it slowly. But I can do it. So it was yeah, your comfort zone really out yeah. of three three events, and you, and it was also the last event as well. So you knew. It used to be like saved it to the end. I was like, oh, I like this bit. This is okay because the bike. I used to. I mean, I still get terrible back problems. So it was you know the longer the bike, the harder it became and and things. So it, it was like the really hard, horrible, scary bit at the, at the start of the swimming, and then the, the bike was just pain and then I'll be like oh the run <laughs> and what was what was that first event like for you exactly you know what was going from obviously someone who just ran mm. uh, to now someone who's had to teach themselves much like Mimi Anderson's had to teach herself to swim yeah you know it's a whole new thing what was that first dip in the water in an, an event like it was terrifying and I really I mean it, I really had to kind of like just get in and just be like one step at a time um I just wanted to go home initially uh, and and then once I got into the water I was just swimming like I was being chased by a shark or something and I looked up and the whole rest of the the, the field was over to the other side I couldn't even see them initially and then I realized I've completely swam the opposite direction um, <laughs> but getting effort. out of the water was just like the most enormous relief yeah. Ever. And it just continues to be actually. That's not really got any better. <laughs> I mean, that that's, that sounds sounds like you know, you you found a, a pretty much an easy triathlon, and you decided to make it harder by swimming the opposite direction. Yeah. <laughs> just because you thought that was too easy. Yes. And you can do more. <laughs> so now, as I already mentioned, I've been following you now for quite a few years via social media. This is the first time we've actually had a proper face to face chat, really. Um, and I've known about your events because a lot of my friends have run them the Midnight Marathon, the Wanna your brutal triathlons um, what is it about the hard stuff that draws you to create the hard stuff I'm the sort of person that when I look at something that I don't think I can do I want to do it, it's not always a good thing and sometimes I wish I didn't have it <laughs> but it's just how I am and if I see something that's really hard I just want to have a go at it. And the same with events. It's like, why would you do something, you know, if simple on the flat, you know, in the warm, even though I'd probably do a lot better at those sort of events. <laughs> and if I ran those sort of events, I'd probably get more numbers and make more money. But I like, yeah, cold, hilly, hard. That's what I like. Because <laughs> we've got, we are quite lucky in this country. We've got a few event companies like yours, Mug Cruise, Mark Cobain, yeah all like that element of toughness yeah added you know it's not about making people fail that's not what anyone, no, not at all. it's you know each each one of you guys help those that enter try and succeed um, to the best of their ability but the, with the with the timings of the events when they're on the actual terrains of the events and the and the rules and restrictions they're made to be hard yeah yeah um and i I like the fact that we have these events companies that do that little bit out of the box. Not nothing major, nothing drama. Well, Mark's a bit 
So, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> to the edge of the box. But yeah. you know, we've got lo- we've got hundreds of normal companies that do yeah, yeah. standard triathlons, do standard half marathons. That, that stuff doesn't really interest me, I guess, because I can't. I'm not. And I always say this, and people say I shouldn't say it, but I'm rubbish at sport. I'm rubbish at running, swimming, and everything. Like, and I'm really, really slow, and there's no natural ability. But my strengths are: I'm stubborn, I'm strong-willed, I'm determined apply that to tough events and sometimes I can finish them but with a, a fast 10k oh man I'm just like I mean, you know people have finished and gone home and had a shower and put their feet up and I'm just finishing so I guess there's a part of that as well yeah um I hate events where the you know the where the first place is already in the pub oh, having, so having a meal drank, gone home <laughs> you know and not not even on the end of the finish line waiting for you no, the last person i prefer the events where we have the winners still there yeah clapping, that would you know? be nice. um yeah. the last person across the line yeah. you know you, you don't you don't get that in the road events the 5ks or the 10ks they've been gone got their check gone and it's just about speed i mean i've run smaller events like that and and actually i struggled running them because i I didn't with ultra events you get such a you know feeling of camaraderie and and everyone supports each other and the winners are they do stick around because it's not just about finishing it's about supporting everybody and and because you spend a lot of time suffering out on the course and stuff you make these bonds with people the same with the crews actually it's you know i've made a huge few friends through this i totally i totally agree i was speaking to vic vicky owens in my last podcast and we were talking about exactly the same the the major extreme events and the ultras there's something more to them than just the race Mm. friendships that you make with the other runners um i've become friends with quite a few of the the gb elite runners through them Mm. i'm one of the mid-packer back ends you know you don't get that in road races and they wouldn't even look at you they wouldn't no they wouldn't they wouldn't even know know you (laughs) Um, and it's not dissing road races because no, no, there's there's a place for them. We, yeah. we you know we still do them, we still run them, yeah. um, and there is a place for them. But like I said to her, there's something about these events that just makes mm-hmm. them a little bit more special, yeah. and you come away with la- long lasting friendships. Yeah. I love know. friends. All letters. I mean, that's girls from like the the ultra triathlons. You know, two of them live in America, one's in Canada. We've, we've got a friendship group, you know, and on Facebook group that we just chat all the time, random stuff that we send each other. And we see each other maybe once a year, once every yeah. two years. I, mean, I love that. But how many people can you say that about a 5K race in your local yeah, town? No. no. <laughs> no you don't, you, you probably, you might see them again if you raced it the following year. Yeah. Um, More of an experience, isn't it? Exactly. Um, anyway, so early on in the season, I talked to uh, your colleague, um your or, or your padawan or maybe it's probably the best way your apprentice james uh, we talked to him about his his, his decker iron man uh, and you you're probably the reason for him yeah. really uh, <laughs> i like that it was probably you that s- sowed those seeds through your events and stuff like that um as Many others getting into other things always have someone they could probably blame, really, for oh, yeah. where they go. For those that don't know, can you explain what a Decker Ironman is? Okay, so a Decker Ironman is 10 Ironman basically, and you can do it in two different formats. So you've got the, the Decker Day, which is an Ironman a day, so it's a triathlon each day for 10 days. Um, 
And then you have a continuous format where you do all the swimming, uh, so that's 24 miles swim, and then all the cycling, 1,120 miles on the bike, and then uh, 10 marathons continuously. So yeah, that's basically a DECA. Right, so 10 Ironmans. Easy. So we're talking 24 miles, thousand mm. uh, of swim that is, yeah. thousand of miles of biking and 260 miles of marathons. Now, to someone like me, I, I've, I've heard this before. Obviously, I'm still amazed regardless, but I can I can picture that. But to a lot of people, they can't even imagine that. Okay. And, and you probably always get the comment, oh, I've, I wouldn't even drive that in my car. Wouldn't even drive that far. <laughs> um, but even to people like myself and others that have achieved a fair bit in their running career, that, just a DACA is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But you... I've done more than a DECA. You've done what we call a double DECA in 2019. <laughs> Can you explain what a double DECA is? Oh, I can't do the maths. So I I've, I've, I've got the maths. Okay, so it's, yeah, it, yeah it's, t- it's 20 Ironman. There you go. <laughs> 20 Ironman distances. Yeah. And continuously. I did the continuous format. I didn't do the one a day format. So you did 20, sw- 20 swims in a row, 20 bikes in a row, 20 runs in a row. Yeah. Okay, so let's... Let's break this down into the first event, the swim. 48 miles of swimming. Yeah. How are you feeling prior to that start? You, you've done, yes, you did a decker in before, did but it's, it's, a, it's yeah. another one. So yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't say, oh, I've done this before. You, you've only said, yeah, I've done half of it before. We did kind of think we were going to draw from that experience, but it didn't turn out quite that way. We, no? We, no, we based our timings, me and the girls, this is, we based our timings on our DECA experience, but it didn't turn out that way. It was just horrendous. It was messy. <laughs> yeah, so so when you, when obviously you're putting on your, your swim cap and um, your wetsuit. Yeah. How were you feeling start, on the start line? Um, I was apprehensive, but I've got to be honest, the, the events leading up to that double DECA, I was having a few issues personally and, and in my business life as well, actually. I was a bit stressed out. And so this, for me, was almost like an opportunity to not relax, but to switch off from the real world. I had a month, basically. It was the end of the season. I had some decisions to make about my life in general. I was kind of at that crossroads. So this, for me, was like, oh, my goodness, I can just finally stop thinking about that stuff and concentrate on just getting this double decker done I wasn't physically in the best shape of my life um I really wasn't and also when I got there I was really struggling with massive headaches from like because it's actually at altitude in Mexico where I did it so yeah, yeah. it doesn't appear to be altitude but it actually is so I was really struggling with kind of just feeling a bit rubbish but once I'd started I was properly I got my head in the game and I felt really good and the swim actually I, although it was incredibly tough I got through the swim really well um, just by not faffing and just getting on with it. So the swim actually was really good. Just long. Can you remember how long roughly the swim part took you? No, um, I started Friday at about, I want to say we started at six in the evening and I was finished by Sunday um, mid-afternoon. So it took you a weekend? Yeah. It took you a weekend. Oh. Break it down to that. <laughs> People could probably relate to if I said a weekend. Mm. <laughs> Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. yeah. Well done. And there was um, no stopping in that. I mean, I literally, I, I had an hour and a half where it was funny. I was swimming, and I think it was, it must have been Saturday night. 
And I thought I was falling asleep as I was swimming and I thought, okay, I'm going to have to get out and have a bit of a break. And I'd seen other people doing it. And in my head, we were in a Lido. In my head, I thought there's a room. They're going to this room and it's warm and there's a bed. And I can, so I built this whole thing up in my head. I got out and I was like, where's the room to sleep in? They were like, no, no, no. There's a, a lilo on the floor over there. There's a bloke on it at the moment, but you could sleep next to him. Get in, the, get in your sleeping bag with your wetsuit on and have a sleep outside on the grass. And I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> so that was like, yeah, that was the only sleeping, that's the only time really I got out. So. So I take it wasn't like shallow enough for you to have a stand up every so often. Sorry, what, a shower? This, no, to stand up every so often. Oh yeah, no, you could. I mean, you could get to the end of the pool. Um, it was a 50 meter one. You get to the end of the pool and I would literally have all my nutrition on the end. And so I was sort of setting myself certain, you know, swim 20 laps, stop, eat something. Um, so that must I, have been even harder if you, than doing like, say, I don't know, two mile lap in a big lake. Mm, the fact you were really yeah. years. And I think actually I was very um, disciplined with the swim. I really wanted to get out of that pool quickly. And I knew that faffing was going to be something that, because there's nobody there to tell you to hurry up. And also the, the um, cutoffs were quite generous. So, but I was like, I'm getting out of this pool quickly yeah. as possible. So I didn't mess about. I stopped very rarely. Um, and I, I, I don't know how much time I took off my first decker time, but it was substantial. And I was like, I mean, overall I was the second finisher. For the swim yeah i don't do that stuff so i was quite pleased with that yeah you, are, you take that you take, you take everything I'm taking that. exactly yeah. um, that's, that's amazing so you finished your 48 mile swim obviously you take off your wetsuit what is now going through your head because you've obviously now got a 2240 mile bike ride ahead of you what what's your thought process going through at the moment so, I mean, I felt very ill after the swim, as did everybody else, just due to the, the amount of chemicals that are in the water and it, it's not regulated over there. So it definitely was. We all had a lot of problems. We all felt very ill and we did for the rest of the week, to be honest. We were all coughing and had lots of allergies and sores and, you know, bleeding mouths and stuff. So it was pretty bad. Um, so I was a bit, I mean, I just felt awful. I knew I had to eat, but I didn't have any appetite. I knew I had to sleep. But I couldn't sleep because I was in so much pain because of the sores on my neck. I couldn't move my head from side to side for about a week on the bike, which made things interesting um, because there was so much, um, I was just so torn from the wetsuit and from the chlorine and stuff. So I just remember thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get on the bike, let alone cycle. Um, so I kind of went back to my tent and tried to sleep, but I couldn't. And so in the end, I just got on the bike just to do a few laps. And that seemed to sort of help and then I got up and had a bit more of a sleep. And then that was just basically, that was my life for the next two weeks, just getting on the bike, getting off the bike. Two <laughs> weeks eating, two riding. riding a bike. Yeah. That's that's phenomenal, really, when you think about, it's not like you did like an hour a day either. You know, you were constantly on the bike for two weeks. And it was weird because we thought, when I did my decker in Switzerland I had a routine and I liked the routine um, I used to ride or run all day until 10 o'clock at night um, and then I used to have four hours sleep and then I'd get up and start at two o'clock in the morning and as much as that sounds brutal that was my routine and I thought going to Mexico that's what I would do and I planned for that and it just didn't happen I was exhausted and 
you know, you'd ride and then you'd think, oh, I'll do 20 laps, but sometimes you'd be like, I could only do five and then you'd be falling asleep. And because also you were going past your tent every five mile lap, it was quite easy just to be like, oh, I'll just nip in and have a, a quick slip. So you have to, then it comes down to a massive discipline of just being like, yeah. No, you're only stopping when you literally can't go on anymore. Otherwise, you're just going to be here for months. So I can imagine you now, you finished your bike ride two weeks later after your swim. Yeah. Um, that took you a weekend. Um, getting off the bike and you're like walking like John Wayne. Definitely. Um, <laughs> how, how are you feeling at this point knowing, okay, I've only got the run to go, but yeah. it's not just a run, it's 524 miles. How are you feeling that? I definitely think about, yeah, like that. I mean, I didn't think about the actual how long I had. I think, I mean, initially I was super thrilled just to get off the bike and to get onto a point because the bike was quite difficult in terms of how many people were in, in the park that we were. So you were not only trying to keep yourself on the bike and going forwards, but you were trying not to hit people, which is another layer of kind of complexity that you didn't need. And then people just walk out in front of you all the time. So to get onto the run section just was like, thank God. Now I know I'm not going to have an accident because that's what was happening with people. We were having accidents. You may trip over, but you're not. I'm happy with that. It's okay. <laughs> having a bike accident is a very different. Less, less, less height to fall. Yeah. Yeah. But people were on the bike. They were having accidents. And it's almost like at the point when you've invested so much time and money into something and you think I could fail now because of somebody just stepping out in front of me. It becomes, you become very paranoid about it. But we, um, at this point, you know, st stepping onto the start line of the run, were you feeling confident now because you were in the last stage? Did you yeah, I mean, I kind of, not in any way arrogant, thought I can do this. I just have to be, you know, again, disciplined to ensure that I get the laps done yeah. and do it. But you're desperate for sleep at this point. You know, you, 40 minutes just isn't cutting it anymore. You want to sleep for a night. You're so tired and your whole body is just trying to and your brain is trying to get you to sleep for more than two hours or whatever you set yourself so occasionally you know we had storms and stuff and there was at one point there was a massive 10k race with 10,000 runners which made it very difficult and actually we were kind of almost forced to have a break and in a way it was nice just to think I can't go anywhere I've got she got to stay and rest so it was just about you didn't yeah. fancy like having a cheeky go at the 10k, see if you I can knock a few people. Strangely off. enough, no. <laughs> it, would have, it would have annoyed a few if you had beaten some of them. Like. Yeah, it would have been some of them. <laughs> <laughs> so you're into the run stage. You've you've been you've forced uh, obviously to have a little bit of a break for the for yeah. the 10k and stuff. So we'd say an hour roughly. Um, 20 marathons in a row, 524. Mm -hmm. Right, a lot of people will do that a marathon a day for 20 days, as an example. You did it pretty much continuously. Yeah. Now, what time scale are we talking about here? Is it another week, another two weeks, a weekend? I should try and get the times and then I can make you understand. Um, I'm trying to think because the whole thing took me 28 days. So it was a, a yeah, so roughly 20 odd days, I think it was. I'm going to have to look for the times. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm not very good with that sort of stuff. And I just, all I knew is that I, I had a cutoff, what that cutoff was and how close I was getting to it, which is like, that's how I do everything basically. So, um, and initially I thought I was gonna finish a bit sooner and that then started to become apparent. And when I got home, I looked on my phone and all I had was these little um, notes, you know, the notes on your iPhone, there were hundreds of them just with numbers on where every time I'd stop, I'd go, right, now I need to do five here and this will take me to this number and this, and it just, it never made any sense. 
it's like a mad person, completely insane. It was, so I, all I'd do was plan and then I would never quite make what I wanted to do because my, my goals were always just too high. But, and, and then at some point, I think it was, I was about five days, six days before the end and I got a, quite a serious injury. Um, and it was a really painful one as well. And it, it was just getting worse and worse. And, uh, and I remember just thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm not gonna finish. I can, you know, and I just remember thinking, I've been here for seemingly months and I'm like so close to finishing and it actually it scared the life out of me and it really upset me and it did for a little while it, it was all I thought about and then gradually it started feeling a bit better um and then I could think okay just keep moving just, even if I was just walking just walk you know so do you do you think that injury possibly may have been also a bit more mental that it wasn't as bad as you no, as it, it actually was yeah no, it, it definitely was because it, I mean I started getting it actually no I got it, I got it on the Friday and I remember thinking um I remember having a, a random thought that it was going to start getting better and it'd be better it would feel better by the Tuesday and weirdly it was so in a way I know what you're saying you know there's there's a lot of mental stuff going on I mean it was a very painful injury and actually I got it again recently when I tried another yeah. one of my Warner attempts and it, it's quite a serious it swells up quite yeah. nasty well, it's from power walking basically yeah because you never train to power walk. And when you power walk and you've got a deadline, you walk hard and you walk fast. And it's the ligaments on the front of your ankles that take yeah. all that strain. You don't train for that. You never do, do you? So yeah, it's it was that basically. But I remember my friend said to me, can you move forward still? And I said, yeah. And he was like, we'll just keep doing that. And I thought, okay, we'll bring it right down to just move forward. And that's what I did. So you finished, 48 mile swim, 2,240 mile bike ride, 524 mile run, mm -hmm. and you were pretty foobarred up by the end of it. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to lie, you weren't like fresh as a daisy. You know, you've been going for a month, 28 days. What was it like crossing that finish line? Because a lot of people, when they've crossed a the finish line, feel obviously elation. Now, I've, I've finished you know, a 250 mile run or what have you. And I cross, and all I think is, thank God it's finished. Yeah, that's it. You know, a sense of relief that it's, I didn't have to carry on. Yeah. Was was that how it felt for you? Yeah, I mean, I was really, it, it's, it's such a bizarre thing with ultra triathlon as well, because there's so few people around at that point as well. Um, I mean, there was obviously, it was during the day, which was nice. I think it was a Saturday morning. So the park was quite full, but people don't know what you're doing. And it, you know there's not many people left back at HQ anymore the race has sort of scaled down so it was just a case of anticlimactic because it wasn't you know it, it was just like oh thank god I don't have to do anything I mean I remember doing the last lap and thinking I'll never see this bit again and I'll never see the fat squirrels again I'll never see the you know <laughs> the grumpy guards and it was like yeah okay this is you know but and, and it's weird because of my issues with alcohol. They're throwing champagne around at the end. And I was really stressed because I was like, oh, I hate champagne anyway, regardless. Yeah. I, I was just like, didn't want to do the whole champagne thing. And that was stressing me out, you know. <laughs> you're just about to finish a double-decker and you're worried about people throwing a bottle of champagne over you. <laughs> when, so, when, yeah. when did you realise, when did it set in uh, that you what you've achieved at that point? You know, was it a day later when you... Or a couple a couple of weeks later, when you sat in your, your sofa and it just went, do you know what? I actually, yeah. yeah. I got um, 
I, I didn't, it didn't ever really sort of not sink in as such. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm terrible for just moving on and not really sort of thinking about stuff. And I know people sort of say you should be a bit more, you know, appreciate what you've done and enjoy the sort of like recovery time. And I'm forever just crashing on with the next thing. Um, and I, somebody, one of my brutal people got, um, you know, the frames with the medals and all the bits and bobs. Um, yeah, the company that I use is framed. And, and I looked at this guy who had his done. I thought, oh, I wonder if I could do something like that for the double decker. And, and actually I've got it in my lounge now and it's they made a cracking job. And I've actually got a tiny bit of the, the swimming pool tile because it was crumbling and falling apart. And I remember just taking a bit of the tile when I started the swim thinking, if I finish, I'll do something with this. Yeah. And I stuck it in my bag and never thought about it. And when I got home, I thought, oh, so I've actually got in my lounge, like the medal and the certificate yeah. and, you know, my race number. And it makes me remember, it forces me to think. It's memories. It's, yeah, um, when I'm, it's when I'm positive, feeling, good memories. Yeah, yeah when, I, when I'm feeling a bit low or a bit like, oh, I'm not very good, I'm a bit rubbish at this. And I look at that and think, remember you did that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was speaking to Dan Lawson on it and, um, you know, he doesn't really see his achievements as, like achievements they're just nice memories yeah and i suppose that's what yours is now yeah. it is it's a positive you know, thing you've gotten the bad stuff yeah the sores and your injury yeah. you sit there and you look at you think that's a really you know what i've achieved is really mm. really nice yeah yeah and that is that's exactly that's yeah really well put actually because that is what i don't think oh my god i did this you don't think like that it is just a good memory you've kind of yeah filtered out all the bad stuff and it was a you know a good time with good friends, and it had a good result. Yeah. Positive. Uh, now speaking about obviously my buddy Dan Lawson. Yeah. Last, last year he smashed out one of the fastest ever. How did he do that? Jog or, <laughs> or lid jog because he went upwards. Yes. Um, runs ever, um, and obviously we had uh, the female time as well. Not long before yeah. that. But as he finished, you were starting. Literally. Literally. Like hours. Was like, I was sat at the computer. Come on, Dan. Yeah. And then you were like, I'm off, everyone. <laughs> I'm off. I was like, oh, Claire, Claire's off. But you you obviously, yes, you were going downhill. I like it's to wind You were going down. But you were self-supported. And, yeah. and if people, what that means is you didn't have a sport crew. No. You had to carry everything basically that you were using yeah. all the way down obviously you didn't carry everything you pushed you had a you had a, you had a, a running jogger pram type thing um to carry your stuff to make obviously life a bit easier than, than a big pack tried to carry yeah i tried to pack that didn't work <laughs> so we'll talk about that because it sort of went under the radar a little bit because obviously everyone obviously talking about the female record just bit going yeah. Dan smashing the male, well, the overall record and the male record. You saw Crepton in the radar and, hi. Hi. <laughs> Don't worry about going. me. <laughs> Theirs was all supported. Yeah. They, they didn't have to worry about planning the route or anything like that. They just ran. Mm -hmm. oh, don't get me wrong. They freaking... They ran fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a difference, but yeah. they didn't have to have all the other mm. pressures of fixing tires mm. and getting food and, and yeah. like, you you had to do all that with yourself um so why did you want to do that in the first place why self support a lot of people just do it anyway you know yeah but why why did you want to go for the self-supported 
I think again it comes down to the fact that I, I'm not a brilliant runner and I just thought yeah I could do it one I didn't have anybody to ask to crew I didn't want to ask anybody either it's a hell of a job I couldn't afford that thing either I could you know to, to get crew and to have a, a you know proper camper van and like it was going to cost thousands I didn't have that um and also it just didn't give me that buzz of excitement I really I'm sort of airing now to the adventure kind of racing more um you know looking at cycling across America and that sort of thing and the, and the wild camping aspect of it um really appeals and I've never done it before um cooking for myself just looking after myself I thought you know I wonder if I could do this and and yeah I was trying to do it a little bit faster than what I hoped but again it you know it was it's really hard <laughs> yeah I mean I, I I don't think it matters whether you were self-supported or, or supported. That section through Scotland, yeah, is always rubbish. Always horrible. Always rubbish. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. every everyone I've followed and watched and everything else, when they get to Scotland, it is miserable. Yeah. Weather's weather's it's never a lot bigger as well than you think. Scotland yeah. was a lot smaller, and it turns out I was there for ages. Don't get me wrong. It is it is stunning in a lot. Of you know, yeah. and I, I know that, but it's never kind to runners ever. No, no ever. the roads, yeah, it's pretty bad. It's like the running gods go, oh, you know, uh, yeah. joggle or the jog isn't hard enough. I'm going to just piss on yeah. you while you, yeah, yeah. Whether you've just finished or just started, it makes yeah. no difference. I'm having you. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's talk about a bit more. How did it how did it go overall for you? Overall, it was a fantastic experience. Yeah. I mean, I'd say, I'd go as far as to say it's life-changing in the sense, you know. You're not the was, first to say that. Yeah. It, you know, out of everything I've done, it was certainly had the biggest impact on my life. I, I guess for you, it was also different because normally your multi-day events involve cycling and swimming. Yeah. Yeah. This one was just doing the yeah. thing that you loved the most out of all three of them, the running, keep you know, by yourself. Yeah. Um, no worries about other people obviously because you were by yourself you just had to worry about yourself and that yeah. was it yeah so that that must have been quite nice not having to have those worries as well yeah definitely yeah and there was nobody in front or behind me I mean initially I had this unrealistic goal in my head of doing it in was it 18 days or something I think that's the original support yeah me. and I even Jim Jim just laughed he was just like, you'll not do that. <laughs> and, my, and my mate, Matthew, he was like, why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself under this pressure? Just have an adventure. Jim said, just have an adventure. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, and it was kind of initially getting the sponsors on board. It was quite a big thing saying I was going for this. Yeah, um, I mean, and if you don't at least give it a go, you would never know. Yeah. So once I'd sort of gotten rid of that goal of trying to do 52 miles a day, and I then realised that 40 was pretty much my limit, I then was like, okay, I felt so much better because initially I was like 52. I felt like I'd failed on the second day because I hadn't reached it. It became a bit negative. So I had to really yeah. reframe it. And once I reframed it and we then started looking at different routes as well, because obviously I was struggling with the traffic and the buggy and me. And it became, I want to say, the jogger was like a massive roller coaster. There were days, not even days, there were minutes when I was ecstatic and then minutes when I was crying my eyes out. And it yeah. was like that. It was up and down, up and down. And it wasn't even like, oh, I'd have a bad day or a good day. It was, I'd have a, a terrible hour and then a brilliant two hours and then another terrible hour. <laughs> so it was, it, that was a lot. The emotional of roller coaster is pretty strong with you. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, so let's break it down. What was the best part of it? The highlight, I always go back to crossing the fourth bridge in Scotland because I wasn't expecting it. I'm terrible at geography. Um, and I remember my friend Gavin, who was helping me saying, oh, the fourth bridge is kind of iconic. And I was like, oh, I was like Googling it going, really? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it looks kind of nice. And it just coincided that when I crossed it, everything kind of aligned. You know, it was a clear night. The bridges were all lit up. I was feeling like really good. My feet weren't hurting. I'd already, I was going to do like a 45 mile day or something. You know, I was meeting some people, Gavin included on the bridge. And it was just a real, it felt like progress as well. It felt like I was actually moving towards yeah. finally getting near to getting out of Scotland. And that was just a really good, a good day, a good night that was. And obviously we spoke, what was the worst part for you of that journey? I mean, the worst part was the pain in my feet, which was relentless. And would really, I really struggled to manage it sometimes because painkillers just weren't, it's sort of like a nerve pain and it just, painkillers weren't touching it. So I was having to find different ways of doing it. And sometimes it would just get too much. And there were a couple of days where I only did like 20 something miles because I was just broken. And emotionally I was a bit wrecked as well. So that was definitely a bit of a low point. And also the wild camping tour, you know, so I got sort of more into the urban areas, further down the country became more challenging. And where I started loving it in Scotland, by the time I'd sort of got down to Cornwall, I was really kind of had enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I bet. Um, but would you do it again? No. It, <laughs> no. no? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because of the traffic. Yeah. The most amazing thing about it actually really was the people that came out. And everyone who really knows me knows I'm a bit of an introvert. Um, I will choose sort of solitude over big groups of people. But the people, not just brutal people, but and not just friends and family and stuff, but just strangers um, who have now become a few, you know, a few good friends. They just, you know, some days they were just relentless. They would come around the corner and there'd be more and other days quieter, but still people just came out to support me. And whether they'd give me a couple of biscuits or a coffee or just clapping or, or just saying hi and, and take a picture and, they, you know, say hello to their kids or whatever. It was so amazing. And I got so much from that. I felt like almost like they recharged my batteries. It sounds a bit funny, but, you know, somebody would come and talk to me for half an hour and they would leave and I would feel energized from that. And that was a surprise to me. And it was like amazing. That was really good. OK. Um yeah. What's next for you? What's next? It's tricky because things keep getting cancelled. Um, so it's a bit like I'm trying not to put too much on things because, you know, Trans Am, which is probably the next thing I'm focused on, may not happen. So that's a triathlon that goes across America, um, starts in Florida, a 30 mile swim, and then you're cycling. Um, all the way across, can't think where we, basically to Death Valley, and then we run across Death Valley. Um, yeah, apparently it's quite warm. Apparently, um, yeah, the, yeah, the Badwater 135 race through Death Valley can get it. Yeah. Every time it, people are like, what? And I'm like, what? What, it's simply, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, the, the, the running bit is actually supported because obviously it's, it's quite dangerous, apparently. Yeah. Um, but the bike is unsupported, which really appeals to me. And that's 3,000 mile bike. So I'm 
but it got cancelled last year and of course this year who knows what's going to happen so again I'm just trying to focus on small things at the moment rather yeah. than you know focusing on the big things and then having them sort of taken away is a bit yeah <laughs> I know I mean I just had the art cancelled so I know I had that email <laughs> oh I, most of my year was focused on training for that because obviously yeah. races were cancelled and it was a good it was a chance that obviously things might have got better by the end of the year mm. focused on that and then we got the email mm. I, I was like oh brilliant so it's hard isn't it I got the tunnel one as well from Mark Cavain like but that's been rescheduled for September and I'm like oh it'd be warmer because yeah. the tunnel was oh my god was it cold when I did it last time <laughs> 200 miles in a tunnel you can't socially I knew that was coming because you can't socially distance in the tunnel not in that tunnel no oh, that tunnel's horrible I still yeah. have to about that tunnel <laughs> The, the, the main thing is you're not alone doing it. No, <laughs> so definitely not. It's not like the it's hallucinations it's I had in that tunnel were. <laughs> it's crazy. Absolutely bonkers. Right, we'll get into some quick fire questions uh, out. Okay. All right, ten questions, um, and quick answer as much as possible. Don't worry, if okay. it happens. Uh, so, okay, your first bit, your favourite bit of kit out of all of them. Oh God. That, like, do you have a buff that you have to take, you know, to everyone? I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah. My brutal buff is like, yeah, that's a really good bit of kit. That's really put me on the spot. Can I come back to that one? <laughs> yeah. I I, yeah. Um, okay, favourite snack you like to have on in during your race? Um, I like mashed potato. Really works for me. I like mashed really? potato. That's different. Yeah. Um, pineapple on a pizza, yes or no? Oh. <laughs> 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 okay what's your favorite drink it doesn't have to be alcoholic anymore obviously not um, <laughs> i really love coffee <laughs> coffee yeah yeah um road or trail which do you prefer? okay um all right swim I, you've already answered this and i think i know the answer swim bike or run which is your favorite run <laughs> uh your favorite place that you've ever run in Well, I think it's probably Wales, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Place. we'll go for Wales. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, is there any bucket list race that you have your eyes on, and maybe in the future? It's the Arch Arch You know, I just I am headed towards that. I am on the list, but again, people keep it's the whole COVID thing. Yeah. Like, yeah so it's been pushed on another year now, which is okay. Um, but that's that has just been on my radar since two thousand and nine. So if I, yeah, if you could say to me, I've got one race that I can do and no other races the rest of my life, that's the one I'd want to get done. Well, I hope it lives up to your expectation when you get to I just want to get it done now, it's been too long. <laughs> um, have you ever fancied running the whole Southwest Coastal Path in a one Maybe. Is that Maybe. in a pipeline? <laughs> <laughs> have we got an exclusive here, Claire? <laughs> Brilliant. Um, well, you know you get plenty of support when you come down this way. Yeah. Uh, and last but not least, Marmite, yay or nay? Yes. Oh, see, that's not Marmite. You don't like pizza, pineapple on a pizza, but you like Marmite. Why pineapple on a pizza is disgusting? No, yeah, Marmite's just say it's Brilliant. Um, obviously, over, over the last year, especially throughout the lockdowns, we've had a lot of starters uh, in running and cycling and yeah. swimming. Do you have any sort of advice for beginners looking at 
lacing their trainers for the first time and the big world of scaring us out there. Okay. I mean, only that, you know, don't ever get overwhelmed by looking at the big distance. I'm, you know, there's many, I've done a lot of really long races, but I still have to break things down always. And still even now, I went out for a run with my daughter the other day and I hated every minute of it because I was like, my legs are hurting and oh, I just felt rubbish. I was literally just breaking it down, you know, just another 10 minutes, another 10 minutes, you know? So I think that's, and that's what I, the whole of my life, actually, I use that when things get too, too hard. So yeah, that would be my advice. Excellent. Um, if people can follow you on social media, how can they follow you? I'm Brutal Claire on Instagram. Um, I, my website, brutalclaire.co.uk. Um, I'll put the links in the description anyway, so people can people can find them. And you have a book out coming out, is that right? I have my joggle book, um, No Easy Day, um, and that's on my brutal. It's a link on my my actual website, Brutal Claire. And then I've got my other book coming out um, which is kind of just my whole story um, it's taken a little while to get to this point and we're just finishing the editing now um, and yeah so that's just my story right from when I started um, right up until the double decker so yeah well I can imagine why it took a long time to get to that point <laughs> <going on. laughs> um, it's been absolutely brilliant Claire catching up with you and uh, talking to you uh, face to face i mean even where if no one ever listened to my podcast luckily they do um mm-hmm. I, I i enjoy it and i think it's nice just to to chat with fellow yeah. bonkers weird mad people whatever, <laughs> whatever people label us as for doing what yeah. we do um, and just getting to know people and what what what, what makes clicks them yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah and and majority of us do have background stories to mm. why we are demons we are, yeah. um and as we said earlier if if what we've talked about helps one person then it's mm. a, it's always a positive thing but thank you for giving up your time it's been much appreciated what i'll do is i'll have a little chat afterwards after i pressed record but uh for the podcast thank you very much uh claire um i've really enjoyed it thank you for coming on yes so that was the legend that is claire smith what a fantastic and inspiring woman even though she may not believe she's amazing i generally believe she is you know uh she's inspired so many um runners to push their limits within the uh running and within the ironman world um their events are, are fantastic um so yeah uh, that was just um, amazing. And if we have helped uh, one person listening to this, um, going through some mental health and addiction issues, you know, it's it's only a positive thing. Um, and I, I've, I I'm grateful for her for chatting um, about it. So if you obviously liked what you heard, please do subscribe. Um, Give us a review on Apple Podcasts and all that sort of stuff, please. Um, subscribe on YouTube if you watch it, like it, uh, and share. Please share um, my my podcast because some some of these may help a few people. Um, so thank you to all those that support me. Um, until next time on If My Figure Talk. I am the Ultra Running Maplow, and I'll see you next time.